The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are pretty loyal people, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird? I was thinking about when we were growing up how we both had pretty unique style. Yes. And (laughs) I thought this was funny that to remember what your main kind of like trend was. Well, I had a lot of style, a lot of phases. Right. I had a big colored turtleneck phase, I would say around fifth grade. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. So I don't know. I was just into, I liked wearing turtlenecks. I feel like growing up in Cleveland is cold. Right. I just liked a sophisticated turtleneck and I liked yellows, reds. It's kind of more autumn-y colors. And then I would like pairing it with a big, one of our dad's kind of dress shirts over it, like a XXL. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you throw some gel in your hair and you're just good to go. <laughs> right. So <laughs> that's so cute. So you would wear a colored turtleneck. This was fifth grade. You know what's so funny, Jonah, is I never put this together. In fifth grade, you were wearing a lot of colored turtlenecks. I never put together the thing that you were putting dad's huge shirts. Yeah, because I remember dad kind of getting mad sometimes being like, I don't have any shirts to wear to work like Jonah's wearing all my shirts. (laughs) And they were like these big kind of plaid, huge shirts. It's funny because, you know, my best friend to this day, Gwen, we kind of became best friends in fifth grade and she would wear turtlenecks every day, too. But hers were more laid out by her mom and they were all from Talbot's kids and they all had different patterns on them. Like it would be like one day she'd wear a turtleneck that had like bells all over it. And then one day she'd wear a turtleneck turtleneck that had like music notes all over it sure sure i didn't have designs yeah i had more just like straight up ones colors or some of them were had that ribbed kind of texture yeah 
Well, the design came in dad's shirts, probably. Like dad's shirts were some kind of checkered. Yeah, usually a plaid. A plaid. That's what I meant. Very basic plaid. Vanessa, what about you? What was your kind of vibe? Well, you know, my biggest, most daring style trend, I guess, started when I was in preschool. And if you'll recall, I had really short curly hair. A lot of people compared me to Orphan Annie or Shirley Temple. And, you know, I didn't mind that. I thought it was fine, but I also really wanted long hair, especially once I met my best friend, Julie Hill, who had beautiful long hair. I was like, you know, what the hell am I doing? So mom used to tie that really thick yarn around my head. So I'd have all this like yarn hanging down from from my head. And then also, remember, there were those barrettes that were like of different colors and different they were each in the shape of like kind of different shapes and it would come like 20 different barrettes in a set and I would put all 20 barrettes in my hair plus I would put two kind of in the front of my hair that to me were sort of giving the illusion of being earrings okay and then on top of that I would wear like a tutu and um, right right and like so I went into school kind of dressed Jonah in some ways a little punk and I remember a really interesting thing that came out of this is our mom was interviewing to become a preschool teacher at the local JCC and part of the reason she got her job was like the woman who was hiring I'm blanking on her name right now but she said like I had seen Vanessa before and I thought like the way that you let her express herself was like really wow a cool thing so I that helped mom get the job yeah the yarn was sort of like Kind of like a hair extension, basically. Exactly. Exactly. It was like pre-hair extension. Got it. And look, did it match the color of my hair? No, but it looked (laughs) to me, it looked and felt like long hair. And (laughs) yeah, I think it's better that you didn't try to match the hair color because it would be then you're trying to pass your hair off as yarn. Yarn looks a little different than hair. Yeah. (laughs) I think later on, Emily Eisenberg told me that she was scared of me in preschool <laughs> because I dressed like that. But look, to me, I, it was like, this is what I wear. And sure. the fact that our mom just let me go to school that way, so cool. It's great. It's great. Do you want to introduce today's guest? I would love to. Who I'm sure also has some great style stories. I'm sure he has some great style stories. Our guest today is a comedian, actor, and musician. You've seen him all over LA and New York. You can see his hour-long comedy special, The Golden One, on HBO, and on his new tour, The Big Baby Tour. Everyone, it's Whitmer Thomas. Hey, thanks for having me, y'all. Thank How's you it so going? much for being here. I know you said it was okay if I interject in the stories, but they are really good descriptions, and <laughs> I just didn't want it, and I thought I was really entertained by it (laughs) what was your vibe my vibe when i was like a little kid i guess y'all were pretty little in those the turtleneck and the yarn was anything to look like i could be in the movie terminator 2 so (laughs) i would lay out my clothes i was actually talking about this in therapy the other day and my therapist (laughs) was trying to spin it into being like a traumatic thing or something or like a neglectful moment for my parents but I don't think so but I would lay out my clothes every night before preschool and school (laughs) to try to like get as close as I could to either Edward Furlong or um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Terminator 2 I would like pick out a hat I would wear like a costume almost Indiana Jones style jacket with like jeans with holes in them and my first day of kindergarten I wore fingerless gloves <laughs> so wait so the Edward Furlong to me is like the jeans yeah and the jacket and then the fingerless gloves that's the Arnold Schwarzenegger is that accurate biker punk yeah, yeah. it's like punk but not authentic it's like the way that James Cameron would kind of imagine a punk to be is what I wanted to be you know right I feel like who might be more punk was Edward Furlong's best friend Danny Cooksey yeah yeah, that guy seemed kind of legitimate. Salute punk. your shorts, right? Salute your shorts. Yeah, and he was in a band called Bad for Good with I think Brooks Wackerman, who was later in Bad Religion. What? This is the redheaded guy from Salute Your Shorts. Yeah, yeah. Was he in Terminator Two? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he played Edward Furlong's best friend in Terminator Two. Yeah, they'd ride along on that bike together, right, or something. Yeah, I mean, it's great. It's a great friendship. He just sort of dips. <laughs> he literally gets pushed <laughs> out of the movie <laughs> by the the cop. You know he auditioned so many times to play John Connor. Right. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Then they cast him as his best friend. (laughs) Right, 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 right. But then I wonder if Salute Your Shorts was probably, who can know? I guess we could look it up. But Salute Your Shorts was around that time. And what else was Edward Furlong doing? You know what I mean? It's like probably a lot of other kind of like 
well-respected movies and stuff. But, you know, we were watching Sleet Your Short. So to us, you know. That guy was more of a... Yeah. He was more important. Yeah, I mean, I think something's wrong with my memory because I think Terminator 2 came out in 1991. I was two. But I remember... (laughs) I remember my dad taking me to see it, which there's no way that I actually remember. This is made up. And I remember it being sold out. And I have this whole... Maybe they re-released it or something. They like might that. have re-released it. That makes sense that they would maybe re-release it or yeah, yeah. We're older than you. I remember maybe seeing it in theaters, but I remember then renting Terminator One. Oh yeah, to see it like and watching it at home and being like, oh my god, it's so crazy that Arnold Schwarzenegger is a bad guy. Same in Terminator One and being like, I don't like this at all. Same. I didn't get it. I was like, same ex- exact experience. It's funny to think though that people were going into Terminator Two thinking he was going to be a bad guy yes yeah and he's a nice guy what a treat yeah and something else we've talked about a lot in this podcast is the guns and roses you could be mine video mm-hmm. and the era of actors crossing over into music videos yes. which i don't think you really see anymore what a time right who's is it arnold schwarzenegger walking down the hallway carrying a box of roses and the roses fall out and there's guns behind it is that who does it yep we love it but so that's who i was sort of most of my fashion was i would say was not authentic it was me trying to emulate somebody else that i had seen that was cool it wasn't a nice expression of a turtleneck with your dad's shirt over it or (laughs) yarn in in the hair or whatever it's funny because when you're a kid there's just like oh that kid has a they're expressing themselves or it's that kid's crazy And you always remember, like, there's a kid named Chuck who's got, like, jam on his face who wears two hats at the same time. (laughs) You know what I mean? I guess what I want to know is how often you wore fingerless gloves. Oh, all the time. And I would look at them. I wanted to go to the bicycle shop just so I could look at biking gloves and, like, try them on. Were they, like, leather or were they, like, woolen? No, they were bike gloves. Oh, they were bike gloves. They were padded on the bottom. Got it. And uh, I had a black chicago bulls hat that i wore backwards and i was always sick i always had a cold <laughs> and i would blow my nose into it and put it back on. into your hat yeah <laughs> where are you from whitmer i'm from alabama at the time i was living in birmingham alabama so okay punk kid living in birmingham so yeah but then eventually i moved down to the beach down in gulf shores alabama but uh, got it got it got it well, it sounds like you had an, like a really cool, unique style growing up. It sounds like we all did, honestly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's really something to be proud of. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I looked the coolest probably. That was like my coolest. I think I was physically peaking. <laughs> Were you going to see like shows and bands play and stuff? Or that came a little later? I think I started seeing bands play when I was 12 or Okay. Or something. We would have to drive to Pensacola, Florida from Gulf Shores or my brother was five years older so he could drive. And my first show he ever took me to was this band called The Suicide Machines, which was like a ska punk Destruction band. by definition. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Break the glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I knew we would be friends. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> took me to see that man and he said, you can come, you just have to film it. And he gave me one of them old camcorders and i was getting so into it that you couldn't like i wish we still had the footage but the camera was just shaking up and down because i was headbanging the whole time yeah nice but that i would say that you know defined my personality changed my life and then i would see these bands coming through to my little town or or near it and i would try to get the things that they were wearing yeah but i didn't have the access to those things so it would always be the worst version yeah I think it's like so different now because I feel like now there's stores like, I don't know, like Topshop or all these stores where you can get sort of clothes that are kind of stylish or like, I don't know, whatever you want to call that subculture rock or punk or whatever. But I feel like it was impossible to find when I was a kid. There was just nowhere to get cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No. Where did y'all grow up? Cleveland. 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 Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. And I think it was sort of like pre-hot topic even, mm-hmm. like sort of- but That when, you stuff kind of came out while we were in high school, but it was like, 
you had to kind of drive pretty far. Yeah. It wasn't like that accessible. I mean, and now there's like the internet. So you can. Sure, the internet. Now right. kids can like fully yeah. get all that stuff. But yeah, it was, you had to kind of be creative, which it sounds like we all were. Yep. You know, big time. Some people were buying those biking gloves for like biking. Nope, not me. Not you. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about this podcast before. I had a pretty long Jinko phase, and my friend's mom was a tailor, and she would cut open the Jinkos put in extra fabric in like the shape of a triangle to actually make them bigger. And these like the bottom of these tinkers were like 30 <laughs> inches. I mean, my waist was also like probably 30 inches. Jonah was very tiny. So I would actually like get the biggest jeans and then extend them. And I would, I was working at Kids R Us. We just talked about that in the podcast. I would <laughs> wear them everywhere. I would trip on them all the time. They would get really oh, dirty because they'd be like, the, the bottom part would be like yeah. dragging on the floor. I was, if I had to go upstairs, it was like always like, am I going to fall? Oh, it was, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, you couldn't make, you know, you had to make your own clothes, I guess, if you wanted that cool look. This leads into our topic. So maybe let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back to talk to Whitmer Thomas about Jinkos and more. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, 
iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So Jonah kind of did a seamless segue into it. But Whitmer, your topic today, which is really one that we're excited to talk about, was cool jeans from when we were growing up. Now, Jonah got into kind of where he landed, which was Jinko's, but there was a journey to get there. And, and Whitmer, did you have, what was your journey like finding cool jeans when you were a kid? Oh, man, it was impossible. <laughs> it was so, and the reason I suggested that is they emailed me and were like, as I was in a fitting room at JCPenney yesterday and trying on different jeans because it was a reminder of how difficult it was when I was a kid. Yeah. So I became fully obsessed with like punk music and they all had tight pants, which in 2001 just didn't exist. And you couldn't buy jeans that were like not giant. Right. So I would do whatever I could, you know, to get the closest possible thing that I could. And it was uh, pretty much impossible. So I always felt like the right person on top. But then the lower half of my body never looked right. And I would skate. I grew up skateboarding a lot. So we would film skate videos. And man, I, we all just look like fools skating around because you we can't find the right jeans <laughs> yeah well did you experiment at all with girls jeans because that was big and that that's scene, what i was right? gonna yeah. say yeah. is i would notice my jeans would be missing all the time jonah would just take my jeans well that's so that's what i do i would take my stepmom at the time's pants eventually but that took the shift out of like punk music and more into hardcore emo music right as soon as my bangs got a bit thicker and then I started <laughs> stealing my stepmom's jeans and everything just sort of started to make sense at that point. Except even now you look at the photos and all of the crotches of our jeans are like two inches long. And right, <laughs> like right. we shouldn't be wearing these low rise. Right. They were low rise. That was the style. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Wait, I wanted to show you this. I thought you'd be impressed <gasps> this. Oh. Wait, what? This is my gold plaque from Under Oath from their only chasing safety to commemorate two consecutive weeks, number one on the Billboard Heat Secret Chart. So this record is very old. Wait, hold up. Why do you have that? I used to work at um, this magazine, Alternative Press. Oh, whoa. Yeah, of course. I was a music editor there in the early 2000s, and that was like when this record came out and was huge, and we had promoted them a lot. Are you familiar with this? Oh, absolutely. I was at the show where Under Oath kicked Dallas out. Dallas, their singer. No way. The first singer out of the band. Did it happen during the show? We drove to Birmingham, which was then, you know, I had moved five hours south. We drove up to Birmingham to see them play with this band called From Autumn to Ashes. Yes. <laughs> and the under oath, we saw them walking up in a fight. And Dallas was just sort of sitting there getting, I think, sort of scolded or something. And then we were like, we have a bad feeling. And then uh, <laughs> Timmy, I think is his name, their guitar player, went out and was when they were supposed to play. And we're like, we're really sorry we can't play. And we all were like, Dallas is gone. <laughs> I knew Spencer... The singer who took over from his band, This Runs Through, I think was the name. Uh, and um, my older brother's band was friends with that band. So when he joined, I remember that record coming out. I worked at Froggy's making ice cream for tourists. Okay. And I would listen to it constantly. And at first I was like, I think a bit of an elitist because it was very much more commercial. But now I listen to it and I'm like, this shit rocks, man. What do you think? <laughs> Because it's like a lot more singy. I have an under oath story that I want to tell. One time we went to dinner with them. Do you remember this, Jonah? So this is also probably this era. This is like early 2000s. This is like yeah. very, I would say 2002, 2003. I'm less familiar with their music, but we went to dinner with them because they were in town playing Warp Tour. Or was it like a Cleveland? I was working on Warp Tour and we had like a day off in Cleveland. And so yeah. you were living in Cleveland, I think. So I don't, for some reason, we all went out to dinner with them. And your friend, John Stewart, found the place. Remember, and he was super stressed out that it wasn't a good place or something. But anyway, we went to dinner with them and I was about to move to Chicago because I'd like just graduated to college. So it must have been like, yeah, it must have been like 2004. They were like, you're moving to Chicago. And I was like, yeah, they were like, that's cool. Somehow it came up like, how are you going to afford to like move or something? And I was like, I have money from my bat mitzvah. <laughs> and I didn't know that they were a Christian band. And they were like, oh, is that like your... Like, they were kind of, like, asking me what a bat mitzvah was. <laughs> it was, like, so funny because, like, I had no idea. And I was like, yeah, my bat mitzvah. You guys know about bar and bat mitzvahs. But, like, they didn't. Our school was so Jewish that, like. Our school was yeah. so Jewish yeah. that 
we had bar and bat mitzvahs every weekend. So I just assumed I was like, oh, the guys in this band under oath probably had bar and bat mitzvahs every weekend too. <laughs> no, I mean, so, they should have known though. I mean, they were so like, I just remember them looking at me like they had no idea what I was talking about. And I was like, mm, okay, uh, <laughs> you're the ones who are being weird. Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, that's my only experience with under oath is telling them about my bat mitzvah. I feel like we saw them much later, Terminal 5 or Oh, maybe something. we did. I don't know. Maybe. But maybe it was just me. I thought maybe you were with me. I think of the dinner more than I think of their music. I, I couldn't really name a song for you. I don't think it's your your kind of music, really. It's Vanessa, really not. To be honest. They were the pre-My Chemical Romance, but post-Dashboard Confessional. So it was like they were blending screaming music with singing music, but they were also singing like those lyrics that people make fun of now, which it's, it's like, you know, like about the seasons and the crying tears of red or whatever it is, you know, yeah, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So it was like a very just perfect for me at the time. What was your kind of look at this time? Said you had bangs or what was your, were you emulating that style? Yeah, I was in a band called Say Your Last, which is doesn't make any sense as a band name. <laughs> so we had to add dot, dot, dot to the end of it because we forgot to, it was supposed to be say you are last. Like it was meant to be like a, you're last in line. You're always last in line or, you know, that kind of thing. But then we forgot <laughs> that we needed an apostrophe and it was a whole mess. But, um, so yeah. Wait, so, so it, was, it was say Y-O-U-R last. Yeah. And then like, you had to okay. change it to Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. No, we just added a, an ellipsis at the end to to where it meant okay. say your last words because I'm going to kill you or that was the got idea. it got, got it. it got it okay yeah so we were all wearing girls jeans I would dye a spot in my hair here and there a bleached kind of spot I had an under oath shirt that I wish I still had called where it said a picture of Florida and it said where America goes to die which I think is a really clever cool shirt but not for a Christian band it was always weird to me that these bands were Christian and then Sometimes you'd hang out with them and be like, oh, you're Christian, so you can be signed to Solid State Records. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're not actually a Christian band. I had a pair of green girls jeans. I had some Nike Cortez shoes and I had the smallest little shirt you could ever find and like a track jacket. That was the I. That, that was the vibe. Similar to you, Jonah. That's not so far. Yeah, off, similar right? vibe. And I've talked about this recently with someone. Those American Apparel track jackets. Yeah, I felt were such a big thing, and like a lot of bands would make merch on them. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had so many of those things. So speaking of American Apparel, I would see that on the merch table at the Every Time I Die show or whatever the van was. And I was a kid, like young kid, so I didn't have any money to buy that stuff. But I knew of what American Apparel was because it was always the softest shirt on the merch table. Yep, yep. And then when I moved to LA when I was 18, I was walking down Main Street in Santa Monica and I walked by an American Apparel store and I called my friends and was like, you know that company with the soft shirts? It's a whole store. They have nothing but <laughs> those shirts. And I couldn't believe that I had like this in, this access yeah. to the dream hoodie, the dream track jacket, whatever it was. And I remember being so like immediately jealous and bitter towards kids who grew up in L.A. because uh, they could go to American Apparel at any time. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't um, that access. You're totally we right. We didn't have that. Did, they never sold jeans. Did the American Apparel sell jeans? They tried eventually. I don't think it took off. They did. Yeah. Okay. Now, I want to say, speaking of brands, like there was a time when clothing brands were really important to Jonah. <laughs> I'm going to call it when we were in middle school. I'm in fifth grade. Jonah's in seventh grade. So this is turtlenecks and dad's shirts are maybe being phased out. And what's being phased in is little designer called Gerbo, called Francois Gerbo. <laughs> Francois Gerbo. Yeah. Francois Gerbo, Calvin Klein, and Guess. Gerbo was a big one. Guess too. But yeah, it was. I had a couple friends that had these Gerbo jeans. And like their thing was like they had like a little tag on the fly. I don't know if you remember this. They had, they had it said like Gerbo on like almost a tag on the fly. And that like made them their thing. Yeah. They were really expensive. They were really expensive. I mean, probably the sizes that you guys were wearing, which were like clearly for boys. Yeah. Were not as expensive. But yeah. But I remember them being really expensive. And I remember it really being, you know, one of the only times I really 
remember like being peer, not peer pressure, but feeling like I need this piece of clothing in order to like be cool. Yeah. Like, and I think different than when like getting into punk and stuff, I felt like it was more like people will like me if I'm wearing this stuff and they won't if I'm not wearing it. And it, but it doesn't feel like authentic to my personality. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, oh, this is what I have to do in order to have friends. And so I would, I think I would bug our parents about it and I would get one or two pairs. I'd wear them all the time. And then I think very quickly, I kind of cycled out of that. But that was, yeah. does that make sense at all? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I did that too, big time. I got flip flops. They were called rainbow yes. okay. flip flops because I, I was like, grew up in a beach town and the girl I liked was much more of a beach girl. And I remember there was like a year of my life where I would wear flip flops. and But every time I put them on, I would look in the mirror and go, this ain't me. <laughs> this ain't who I am. Yeah. Well, it seems like both of you like the kind of like more sort of punk outfits that you would put on. You would put those on because you like genuinely like wanted to be that way. Whereas like right. the flip flops or the jeans were like more you trying to be like accepted by other people, but it didn't feel like you were saying, Joan, like authentic yeah. to you. And then we were sort of like, well, forget society. We're going to be right. you know, the punks and the outcasts and we're going to embrace this. Yeah. Vanessa, what about you? Did you have an article of clothing that you felt like you wore, but maybe didn't feel authentic to your personality? I had a couple things. I, you know, when I discovered Limited 2 in about, I'm going to call it third grade or second grade, like I was like, oh, this is really stylish. I don't know if you guys remember Limited 2. Oh, yeah. There was the Limited, yeah. And then the kids version was Limited 2. I think I've talked about this before, but for Hanukkah one year, mom got me this outfit that was like big white sweater and these stretch pants that were like black and white checkered, like almost pretty small checkers, like almost an optical illusion, like almost hard to look at, but cool. A long necklace that you wore over the sweater and a beret. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I was like, this is a perfect outfit. And I wore it to school one day and I remember like one kid made fun of me for wearing a beret and the teacher was like immediately immediately on this kid and was like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Not those words, but, and then like, I like really liked limited too. And I remember like wanting to get a lot of my clothes from limited too. And that, and feeling like a little bit of pressure, but also like genuinely liking the clothes, except one year I got mom to buy me these like bell bottoms, like bell bottoms had come back in school. Okay. And I could never get myself to wear them to school. I was like too nervous to wear them. Like I kept trying to wear them to school and I got like too (laughs) nervous. And I think eventually I like gave them to Megan Goopman. And there was a girl in your grade, Jonah, Susie Yasowitz, wore her limited two bell bottoms once to school. And I remember like everyone like, like kind of circling around her on the playground. I remember being like, I can't do it. Like I good for her, but like this will never be me. And they were bell bottom jeans. And I remember like I couldn't go that far. But I will say once we got into high school and stuff, yeah, I think ninth grade, I got Jonah was so into Jinkos and mom got me a pair of girl Jinkos, which were like to Jonah and his friend Lee Rollins. It was like the wider the bottoms of the jeans, the better. It's interesting. And Whitmer, you will, I know you're a little younger, but I think you will understand this. Like Jinkos were like associated very much with rave culture, but then also with like metal core oh yeah those worlds are so different kind of stylistically but i felt like i and i was really into like mm-hmm. hardcore metalcore and so i had that but i kind of think i looked like maybe a raver or something i remember the first time i ever saw jinkos <laughs> and i was like so fascinated i think i was 10 and uh, i was at a roller rink and there was a bunch of ravers all in jinkos with pacifiers in their mouth and they were like the hottest girls I'd ever seen in my life. They must have been like <laughs> 15 or something. Easily the hottest like living people I'd ever been in proximity of. And, and then my mom started dating this guy whose son had Jinkos and they had a taxi cab motif kind of thing. Interesting. Like the, the checkered thing on the side and then like a picture of a cab and it said Jinko. Something like that. And I was like, I need those. I need those so bad. And w- there was no way to get Jinkos. So, yeah. But there was like rip off Jinkos everywhere. And so I think I got a pair of those shorts and the pockets were so big. Th- the back pocket went from like the top of the pants all the way to the bottom of the shorts. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm sure I looked like a little damn fool. But I forgot about the long pockets. So they would have these really long pockets. And then at the bottom of the pocket, there would be some kind of like patch of like a cartoon character or something, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. That's mine definitely 
definitely had, yeah. It'd be like a mouse, like on a skateboard or something like that. Like Jonah said, he's always been a pretty thin guy. And he was wearing these pants that were so wide at the bottom that it looked like he was wearing like, he almost looked like an anime character of like a, wearing a skirt. Like it just like this tiny yeah, yeah. waist and like just this huge kind of skirt. And almost just like floating around school because as you said, <laughs> they were so long yeah. that it just looks like this This guy's floating around. The bottoms would have just this ring of just mud that had caked on from just walking because you would sometimes step on the bottoms because they were too long and so just caked. But then, you know, my denim journey continued and in my early 20s when I worked Alternative Press, there were a couple guys there who had really cool style I wanted to emulate and they were really into diesel jeans. Mm. Oh yeah, Jonah, you brought up diesel jeans and I was like, I don't remember Jonah's diesel jeans phase, but this was later. This was like my early 20s. I got into those like right post-college, but this was probably like, I grew up 2002, 2003, and I felt like those were really popular too. I remember trying to figure out what those jeans were because Jimmy Fallon w- was wearing diesel <laughs> jeans on something, and I remember thinking he looked cool. Yeah. And trying to figure out what that logo on the back of the pocket was and doing all kinds of research and then realizing, oh, I can't get diesel jeans. But then... Moving to LA, there was a diesel store. Never got diesel jeans. Did that completely blow your mind when you saw the diesel store? Yeah, it wasn't as exciting as American (laughs) Apparel. (laughs) I remember trying on diesel jeans once in high school. I was at the Tower City Mall or some mall with mom. And I remember almost getting these diesel jeans, but they were $100. And it was like, there's no way I can spend that much money on jeans. But I do kind of lightly blame diesel. I feel like when we were younger jeans were like $40, maybe less. Yeah. But then now it's so accepted that jeans are so expensive. That's partially Diesel's fault. I don't have any proof for that. But I just feel like they were like, we're going to charge a billion dollars for jeans. And then everyone was like, okay, that's what jeans are. Yeah, there's no excuse because like Wranglers, those like classic kind of cowboy Wranglers are probably the best made jeans and they're $22. Yeah. So why... Do some pants cost so much money? Is it just that they're, yeah, I guess because they can. I don't know. Yeah, like Gerbo, that's the brand. You know, I still like wearing kind of skinny-ish jeans. Maybe not as skinny as that era was cool in that early 2000s, but I still prefer skinny jeans. But skinny jeans are, my wife has informed me, are like not cool anymore. Kids today, and I I noticed we were in Boston over the weekend, they wear not jinkos, but these kind of more wider leg. Like I feel like skinny jeans are kind of over. I still skate a lot. That's the only thing in the world that makes me happy. And um, (laughs) so I skate with all uh, children all the time. (laughs) And I'm hanging out with just like kids a lot. I'd say skating often informs skaters will inform whatever the next trend yes i'd say when basketball players start wearing it it means it's over like when pro athletes yeah right now they're wearing what's called the polar big boys which are the that's the go-to jeans really what are those which are they're not jinkos they're more like silver tab remember that like levi's offshoot of those sort of baggy tommy hilfiger late 90s era kind of style right like boy band pants i I would describe them as (laughs) which i don't quite have those i wear they're called polar 93 denim which is back to um my terminator kind of thing but uh i'm obsessed with jeans i buy jeans on depop all the time that's all i look at anytime i go to like a vintage or a thrift store But the thing about skinny jeans, I feel like a lot of people are hanging on to skinny jeans. Like Dave Chappelle, like his fashion is like really, really bad. And he wears like skinny pants and um, very long, long t-shirts. And I think it's because people who grew up with baggy pants and stuff, it took them a while. Not you. I'm not talking about you. But it took a lot of these people a long time (laughs) to accept tight pants yes and so i think when they did they're like this is all i'm gonna wear from a point of pride yeah i'm never going back this is my personality now forever skinny jeans i think that's an interesting point well for me when i wear really big baggy clothes it makes me feel like i'm like 10 years old that's nice right because that's kind of how you used to dress because <laughs> yeah. you used to wear so much of dad stuff yeah also our dad is like he's not a huge guy but he's a bigger like it's like not like i wouldn't say you guys are built exactly the same way i'd say he's a bigger guy than you yeah very fit i know he's gonna listen to this and i want to say <laughs> it's very fit but just like different size yeah 
different sizes. By the way, just before we move on, I just want to say, do you guys know what Jinko stands for? No. Gene Company? It stands for Judge None Choose One. Oh. Judge None Choose One. And they're a Los Angeles-based company. Judge None Choose One. Judge None Choose One. It sounds kind of like the name of your band. When <laughs> yeah. I could see you playing sense. a show with them. They, they might have been on Truskill or something. <laughs> What's up, everybody? We are Judge None Choose One. Let's see a fucking circle bit. Let's go. Wimmer, what are some other fashion trends that like skaters are wearing young skaters are wearing today maybe so i can kind of get updated with my look right like what kind of shoes shoes right now hmm. well there's some skaters who are kind of like there's a group called sex emo which are they're all like super young gen z maybe 20 at the oldest and they will wear flared some of them will wear a very small shirt with flared jeans like a skinny kind of like girl jeans a white belt even with big chunky like s or dc or that kind of shoes you know like the old skater shoes from the early 2000s yeah but skating now it's a blend of everything i think the coolest looking skaters my favorite is always just like a guy in a flannel or you know in in some but it's it's mostly uh i'd say the trend right now is baggy jeans a hoodie even though it's in LA, even if it's 100 degrees. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe like a hat that says some s- company on it. It's hard to figure out what the exact trend is right now because of with social media and stuff, it, they're pulling from every type of... Right. I think it's kind of... I was reading something about fashion. They were saying that it used to be that you would emulate what was like 20 or 15 years behind you. Yeah. And now that's not going to happen really anymore because of social media and just being so online. But I would say it's kind of early 90s. I was going to say it sounds very 90s to me. Yeah. Which also skating feels very 90s to me. I don't know if that's an overstatement. You ain't wrong. <laughs> Is that when like places started having ramps and stuff like skating ramps? And I think earlier, a little earlier. I want to say like okay. s- late 70s maybe. was like- Yeah, there was like it peaked in the mid 80s, all of the ramps and stuff. And then they all got torn down because skating was sort of seen as a fad that went away. And then... So skaters kind of took it to the streets a bit more. And then by the mid 90s, it was kind of back and then there to stay. Yeah. With like ramps and skate parks and skate shops. And yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But skaters in skate parks now, they're skating to American football adjacent bands, which is strange to kind of Midwest emo music over skate videos doesn't quite make sense but it somehow works with all these new younger people they're they're finding these old bands and kind of really not old bands but it is this really kind of it's a exciting moment in skating that's interesting because yeah i always associate like skaters with listening to like suicidal tendencies or like listening to like strung out or some thrash punk yeah strung out i was just listening to strung out yesterday but yeah no it's like a soft skaters are becoming soft and it's really nice yeah. Okay, that's great. I, I support that 100%. I associate skaters with, like, no doubt. But is that just because of my limited? <laughs> <laughs> well, no doubt, you know, Orange County, kind of punk, yeah. I would say punk adjacent, kind of. I, th- I, I see it. I can't believe you never got punk, Vanessa. It's yeah, time for you to I, go well, punk. Believe me, I tried. There's an incredible, <laughs> I tried to, like, go to Jonah, like, starting in, like, high school and going all the way through, like, my 20s like anytime i'd go to one of jonah's shows i would like dress up (laughs) (laughs) try to look punk least punk person there and there is an iconic we should post it there's an iconic photo of jonah and i in our jinkos in high school yeah standing in front of jonah's car which was just like littered with bumper stickers for punk bands that's really nice and used to belong to our grandma (laughs) yep gave it a little refresh a little refresh sure Well, it sounds like we all had really unique style and continue to do so. (laughs) We're going to take another quick commercial break and we'll be right back with Whitmer Thomas. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. 
We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, We've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, and we're back. So, Whitmer, now we're going to play this really incredible game called Legit Moan or Unnecessary Groan. Legit Moan. Unnecessary Groan. And basically, this game was inspired by our local Cleveland newspaper growing up, The Plain Dealer, which used to have this column every Monday called Monday Moaning, where people would write in with extremely petty complaints. And Jonah and I always thought they were very funny. And about 10 years ago, they stopped doing this. But thank goodness for archives. So we found three of them, and we're going to go through them one at a time and say whether we think that the complaint is legit otherwise known as a legit moan, or whether we think it's unnecessary, otherwise known by us as an unnecessary groan. Okay, great. So this is like the proto Twitter, basically, but it was printed in our newspaper. And so I can kick us off. This is a short one. This one's from Parma. And it just says, thanks to the jerk that stole my Callaway Heavenwood out of my golf bag at Ridgewood Golf Course while I was paying for the green fees. The golf gods will pay you back someday, you lowlife. Dang. (laughs) Wow. So what do you think? Do you think that's a a legit complaint or do you think that's a little unnecessary? I mean, uh, what's your take? The tone is is, is intense. Stole the golf club? Those things are expensive. I'd say legit. Yeah. Especially at a golf place where people probably got a little bit of scratch. They can get their own damn golf club. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's legit. Yeah. That's a legit. Legit. That's a legit. Legit moan. Legit moan. Yeah. 
I would say it's legit, but I want to kind of ding this person on their, well, I guess I would call it a passive aggressive attitude. They're thanking this person. <laughs> thanks to the yeah, jerk. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. couldn't you say my complaint is to, you know, just seems like a little bit passive aggressive to be saying thanks to the jerk. And then the golf gods will pay you back someday, you low life. <laughs> Low life is really good, though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I agree. I think it's a legit moan, legit but I just think moan. the way that this person worded their complaint makes me want to steal a golf club. From That's them. true. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Jonah, what do you think? I'm just picturing this person writing this letter and being like, my Callaway's gone. I, I got to write the plane dealer and just like calling. I bet you low life was not the first insult this guy you i bet you came down a few notches yeah i get the vibe yes. you know with the golf gods like i think like if this guy had a real forum where he could say what he wanted it would be a little more intense right this seems toned down but you get this undercurrent of real anger and you know like just you don't want to mess with this person although someone did mess with him and you know i guess we'll just see what happens with the golf gods yeah he's probably like he makes things about him a lot i bet right probably not a great guy to hang with yeah but right and really excited for the first time to have something that he can actually complain about yeah 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 he probably complains about a lot of things i get a sense this is not a good tipper yeah (laughs) right yeah Okay, so we're really turning on this person. <laughs> so I'm gonna say, yeah. legit moan, but legit I don't want moan. to really necessarily hang out with this person. Right? How about this? How about this? Legit moan, but watch your tone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. It seems like we were all in agreement that that one was legit. Okay. On Saturday, August 13th, I had the pleasure of enjoying the Doo-Wops concert at Kane Park. However... It was marred by three men, in parentheses, definitely not gentlemen by my standards, (laughs) who sat in front of me and my friends. Constantly and throughout the first act, each one of them held up overhead their phone cameras, taking pictures and making videos. It was definitely distracting and annoying. I wonder if some people have ever heard of the golden rule. And this one's from Chardon, Ohio. Whitmer, what do you think of this? Is this legit or unnecessary? Okay, so what's this person doing again? (laughs) This person's going to the do Ops concert at Kane Park. So I would think it's like an outdoor concert. Kane Park is where I used to see Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones. It's oh, like wow. that kind of. <laughs> yes. So, and the people sitting in front of them, I can't, I don't, is it like they're sitting in a park or it's like the sign seats? I think it's, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. I think it's kind of like a park. Maybe there's, you can sit on the grass or something. I'm not exactly, I don't remember. I've been there a long time. Okay. The people in front of them keep holding their phone cameras up overhead mm. and taking pictures and making videos. Right. And this guy's saying it was distracting and annoying. Yes. And he wants to know if some people have ever heard of the golden rule. Which is due unto <laughs> others. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay, and these are old, right? These are from a long time ago? Yeah, these are about, I would say 2011, probably, I'm guessing. Okay, so this guy is potentially new to the idea of a video phone. Yes. It just depends, like, what's the... I mean, I went and saw My Chemical Romance the other night, and everybody was filming it, and you could figure out how old the person was who was filming it just by which way they were holding their phone while they were filming (laughs) it. If it was vertical, it's probably a young person, and if it's horizontal, it's probably an older millennial. I'd say unnecessary groan okay unnecessary to be honest who cares i don't care about filming stuff people can film me perform anytime and put it on youtube i don't give a shit i hate it when people complain about people were filming this like yeah because they want to watch it later i mean this is coming from the guy whose brother first concert he ever went to was a filming filming, had to film it (laughs) so uh yeah unnecessary. Jonah, what about you? I'm conflicted about this one. Same. I think A, you know, and I pointed this out in the doc, I'm not sure this person understands a golden rule exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they didn't like that being done to them with a phone, so you wouldn't do that to someone else. I don't know. But then, what more there's people like you who don't care? So it's not exactly... Also, I don't think... They're not doing that to anyone they're filming the show for themselves right right right. well it's like would they want someone in front of them filming right Right. okay yeah and this is why i'm conflicted i do get you know sure it can be annoying maybe if you're like at a show and there's like a phone screen from your face the whole time but the part that makes it tough for me is it feels hypocritical because i watch concerts and bands on youtube all the time of like Mm -hmm. people filming shows so i don't have to leave my house i'm like oh like i i wonder what bad religions like lineup sounds like now i can watch a 
whole show, but someone at that show had someone next to them the whole time holding the phone. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to do it unless it's like a professional production. So, you know, and also we have to take the time into context. Like maybe this person isn't used to it. I think there was kind of a transitional point around then when people started filming. There's so many variables here. I mean, I feel like if you're going to film it and never watch it again, then it's annoying. But if you're actually going to maybe distribute... So I'm going to say this is an unnecessary groan just based on the personality. I find this definitely not gentleman by my standards comment to be very (laughs) insulting and unnecessary. And then I feel like the mislabeling of the golden rule to be a bit kind of high and mighty and pedantic. So I'm going to say unnecessary groan. You can control the way you react to things. You can't control the external world. And so that's that's maybe something this person should think about. Vanessa, what are your thoughts? Said like a true mental health counselor. <laughs> I agree with you guys. The reason I was asking about the seating arrangement is because if you are like truly in a park and you don't like the people in front of you, you can move. Like I know that I'm sure the duops. <laughs> concert was packed right <laughs> i forgot it was a sure it was similar concert. to that my chemical romance concert yeah similar yeah similar turnout they're probably the only people filming it now that i'm thinking about <laughs> know, it right? well then it that's what i'm saying it's like just move <laughs> then like if you don't have assigned seats yeah. it would be one thing if it was like we were at the show we each paid like four hundred dollars for our seats and like these people right, in front right. of us in their seats were like blocking our view you know but it's like you're in a park like you can move as you said, Whitmer, probably not everyone was filming at a duops concert. No, yeah. I don't even think who are the duops? <laughs> Do they just cover duop song? Yeah, I guess. I thought it was a genre of music. Yeah, I don't know if it's a band. I think this person might be confused. I don't know. I'm not it a du- sounds <laughs> like if you were watching a TV show or like a generic movie that took place in the 50s, they'd be like, we're going to see the duops tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel like it's a real I'm band. I'm not sure it's a real band. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe someone can let us know. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is. Continuing tradition. This is 2011. The duops okay. return to Cleveland Heights. It's quickly become a Cleveland Heights summertime tradition. This was the third straight year they played there. So I don't know if it's still happening, but it was happening from 08 to 2011. Yeah. Well, this person's certainly talking about them like you should know. That, like, of course, the do-ups. Wow. <laughs> also, listen to this. Speaking of the do-ups, a 46-song set list is in place for the August 13th, approximately three-hour concert. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So this person must have been losing their mind when hour three goes on with this phone in front of their face. He's got to hear somebody go... I was going to say this person was probably like, they said constantly throughout the first act. Of course, because by the second act, these people's arms were probably so tired. Yeah, constantly throughout the first act. So just sit it out. A human body can only raise a camera for so long. And if film, I would especially want to be filming at a doo-ops show because all them funny noises they're always having to make. (laughs) Like, ooh, they're doing wonder what's in my... Wonder, wonder, whatever, you know that song? (laughs) Yeah. I want to know what that guy looks like. Yeah. Who's going to be singing that weird part? I think based on the venue and the length of the show, I'm going to give this an unnecessary groan. Unnecessary. That's right. Fair enough. Jonah, do you want to read this last one? Yeah. My Monday moan is when I visit my primary care doctor, the pharmaceutical salespersons frequently outnumber the patients in the waiting room. More annoying is when they take the salespersons ahead of the patients, and even more irritating is to see the salesperson giving perks to the office help and hear them giving dinner invitations to the doctor Mm. for for him and his wife. All this should be done before or after hours. Patients should come first. And that's from Euclid, Ohio. Wait, have you ever experienced this or what do you yes. think? Oh, you have. Okay. I have. Okay. I think this is absolutely a legit groan. A legit moan. A legit moan. Legit I, uh, moan. One time was sicker than I've ever been in my life, probably. And my dad, when, this is when I was in high school, took me to uh, the doctor that I would go to. And uh, we had a relationship, you know, he'd known me growing up. And we were the only person in the waiting room. And my dad just gets so frustrated at one point after waiting for like an hour or so. And we, you know, had an appointment, all that stuff. That he just goes into, because he kind of knew the doctor, you know. He goes into the room and opens the door. And he's just like getting like a massage from the pharmaceutical rep who's this babe, smoking hot babe. And my dad got so mad that he like very articulately kind of probably cussed the guy out and then uh, took me somewhere else. I think we had to drive like an hour away to a different hospital. But yeah, it's annoying. You know, my 
stepsister does this job. She's a pharmaceutical rep. She talks about she doesn't like to play the games that all the other ones do and the things that the doc. It's like doctors shouldn't be given perks from people to shell out pills <laughs> whatever it is yeah 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 absolutely. yeah absolutely and it seems like this person's point is also just like don't take up time that you could be seeing patients right yes yeah. like if you are getting like a new drug and you're like okay maybe i'll you like just don't take up the time that you should be seeing patients and doing it in front of patients is also so rude to be like uh we'll take you next but first we're going to talk to this pharmaceutical rep and like get a bunch of free snacks and yeah <laughs> and like talk about the dinners we're going to with them oh yeah 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 i think a lot of doctors do it they like really look forward to that time yeah i mean i get it i love free stuff right. but not at the expense of my fans <laughs> true <laughs> So legit moan from Whitmer Vanessa, what do you think? Yeah, legit moan. Legit moan. So crazy. This person's saying, my Monday moan is when I visit my primary care doctor, the pharmaceutical salespersons frequently outnumber the patients in the <laughs> yeah. waiting room. That's crazy. Yeah. It's annoying when they take the salespersons ahead. That's insane. That's a complete legit moan. I also feel like this doctor should be yeah. out of business. Like you can't run a business that way. I don't know why this person doesn't get a new doctor. Yeah. Yeah. But I still think it's a lit. I, so I, a little bit on this person, like go somewhere else, but also I do think it's a legit moan. What about you, Jonah? Yeah. I think this is also totally legit. I've never experienced this where I've been in the doctor and there's all these Same. these like Same. I picture them holding like a lot of stickers and like magnets <laughs> for like drugs with they really got a long track names. jacket from American Apparel yeah, yeah so it says Pfizer on it <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so I've never experienced this so to be honest it felt a little bit I thought maybe it was a little exaggerated I also thought the part where the person was like and they're offering dinners for the doctor and his wife seemed like very specific right that's, I think, a thing that happens a lot. Now I'm thinking maybe it's so specific because this has really happened to this person. And so they have the details and I... Oh, they're not making it up, Jonah. I don't think they're making it up. And you know what I like about this one, too, that makes me also want to support it is the tone. I mean, they're not calling these people low lowlifes. Right. They're not saying they're not gentlemen in my book. I mean, it's just straight. They're this not is golden my... rule people. Yeah, they're not bringing up the golden rule out of context. Yeah. They're saying it straight. They're saying their complaint. It's a legit complaint and I support it. I think the doctor should be serving the patients and the pharmaceutical rep should should see them on their own time if they see them at all. To your point, Jonah, so you're calling this a legit moan. Yes. Legit and to your point, moan. I just want to say this is how you write a Monday moaning complaint. Yes. I just want to read the last sentences of the three <laughs> examples we read today. Okay. The last sentence of the first one was, the golf gods will pay you back someday, you low life. <laughs> it's like, even though we agreed with this person, yeah. work on your tone. The second person wrote, I wonder if some people have ever heard of the golden rule. Used it incorrectly, kind of. And it's like, don't end with that. Like, end with your strongest yeah. point. What's the last sentence of this one? The last sentence of this one, patience should come first. Yep. Yep. Thank you. You're right. That's a strong way to end. That leaves me thinking, okay, this person has a really great point. That's a lesson to these other people who really, and to the majority of the people <laughs> who write into Monday Morning who like <laughs> can't really help themselves, but like take like a really unfair, unnecessary dig at the end. Mm. So yeah. that's where we that's are. That's where we are. Well, Whitmer, we had so much fun with you today. Can you tell us where people can find you? You just look me up. At Whitmer Thomas, across the board, uh, Whitmer Thomas, at all of them, then you'll be able to find me. And I'm going on tour. Where are you mostly touring? All over the country, pretty much. I'm missing uh, some uh, Denver and Detroit just because of his scheduling stuff. But I'll probably be coming kind of close to wherever you live, unless you live in Kansas, too, which I'll, I'll go back there one day. Sure, sure. So if you live in Kansas, just be patient. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, great. Well, great. Well, that was really fun. Thanks so much to Whitmer for joining us and everyone for listening. If you enjoyed that, please subscribe to the podcast and keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Did We Get Weird? where We will discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones like cool jeans.
The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 